Think there's a deeper metaphor there? Run through a motherfucker face. Then you don't have to worry about him no more. Welcome to episode seven of All In with Kevin. I'm your host, Kevin Lewis. On this episode, I'm going to discuss the the running back position in fantasy football, um, the art, the most important position in the game. I'm going to talk about you know, what I um, I'm going to talk about my rankings, what I aim to do at the position, like my my uh, my strategies coming into the year, how I feel about the position in general and its depth. Um, you know how to attack different rounds of the draft as far as running backs go um, sleepers, breakouts busts rookies flyers and, and so on um, as far as a general overview of the position, a running back has the potential to be great but it's it's kind of fragmented like it's there's an elite tier I'm going to get into it shortly there's a good tier with running backs who can be elite if, if certain things go their way. You know, there's some ugly in the middle, quite frankly. There, there are tiers that you probably don't want to have anything to do with, or or rather you don't want to have to rely on. And then later there are guys who have some upside but are limited by their situations. And then you have handcuffs who can win you leagues if the starter goes down. Um, I, I, I personally would say as far as the elite running backs, there are four of them. Um, I have Christian McCaffrey in his own tier. So, tier one running backs is just Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he averaged nine more points per game than 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 the next highest scoring running back by points per game last season. Like, is he going to catch 116 passes again? No, but if he catches 90, he probably still is going to be the number one fantasy player at the position. He's the the clear cut one one um, number one overall pick. Clear cut, like. Uh, well, I mean, in one quarterback leagues, in super flex leagues, that's the that's a different discussion. But one quarterback leagues, McCaffrey is a clear is the clear cut one one dot oh one. Um, tier two also elite, but just not the super elite like Christian McCaffrey is. I have Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and Alvin Kamara. Um, is while I rank Zeke third, it's such a narrow difference between all three backs in this cat in this category. And Zeke personally is my favorite because he he stays healthy and he has the highest floor considering everything of the three running backs. Like Barkley put up a, a casual fourteen hundred yards while while playing a good portion of last season hurt, and he's arguably the most talented running back in football. So number two is him. Zeke, the the reason, as I just said, his floor being as high as it is is why I would take him over Kamara. And obviously the dur- the durability. While Kamara, it's it's football, the guys get hurt and all that. But Zeke has been a top five guy in every in every year he's played at least twelve games. And the only year he didn't it was because of the suspension and not because of any injury problems. He doesn't really have injury issues. He suits up every game. He gives you his 100 yards, and he goes home. Like, Zeke, his floor is impeccable. And I like my first-round pick, especially if it's in the top five, to be as boring as possible. And Zeke is as boring as possible, and I say that I say that in the most complimentary way. As far as Kamara, he played through a bad knee injury last season. So, And you could, kind of, you could tell that he really should not have been out there because his explosiveness was sapped by it. And even with that, he ranked eighth in peop- in points per game. So it was just, not, it wasn't. It was just not a great eighth, if you if you get what I'm saying. It was good. He was solid, 
but he wasn't what you expect from him. So hopefully uh, to date, he's healthy. Hopefully it stays that way. Um, tier three, I have Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Joe Mixon, and Derrick Henry. Uh, Dalvin Cook would be in tier two with the uh, with um, the uh, aforementioned four guys. If I mean three guys, excuse me. If he could stay on the field, or or if I could, if, if I could if I could make a, a somewhat safe bet that he would be on the field when it matters for me. Like he's missed of a possible forty eight games, he's missed nineteen of them in his three NFL seasons. I know most of them came in one year, but he's missed time in every single season. He it's kind of just part of his repertoire at this point. If you told if you told me you guaranteed me Dalvin Cook could get you sixteen games, I would probably I would probably rank him second given his given his surrounding his talent level his surroundings and their their reliance on him. But obviously, it the health is an issue. Look, if he plays most of the games, he's an elite running back and he's an elite building block for any for any fantasy team. But you have to go into it knowing what it is. And um, handcuffing him with Alexander Madison, even though I know a lot of people don't like to handcuff running backs, is probably the smartest thing to, to do here. Um, now that I'm looking at this, I probably need to to swap Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Not not necessarily because I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has a higher ceiling. I think he... I think he... I think Sanders' ceiling is just a tad higher because I think Sanders is probably a better runner. A better running back, rather. So, and they're both in great offenses, albeit the Chiefs' offense is a little bit different um, as far as tiers go. But um, as far as uh, Sanders, like um, the the pre-camp injury is the only reason I would really move him behind Edwards Hilaire. But for for the sake of argument, we're just gonna avoid that for now. Uh, I don't really understand the negative coverage on Miles Sanders that I've seen basically all summer. And that's before the injury, obviously. Like it, pe- people are convinced that you know the Eagles were going to sign somebody. They didn't. The Eagles told you at every turn how they feel about Miles Sanders, and to a lesser degree, Boston Scott. Like they didn't sign anybody. They they keep blowing smoke up his ass in every presser. Like Doug Peterson got this to say, and Deuce Staley has that to say, and you know we're 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 ready to to give him the give him the keys and blah 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 whatever else. Look. I think the Eagles, I know, coach speak, I know, but we've been burnt, we've all been burned by it at least once, but they didn't sign anybody, Boston Scott is cool, Boston Scott is not going to take Miles Sanders' job, and he's not going to take a significant amount of his touches, Sanders is a dynamic playmaker, and he, he doesn't have much competition for touches, and he's going to get a lot of high value pass, um, pass, target, uh, pass uh, reception targets, like he, he's he he can get you seventy catches. That's not out of the question for him. And he, and there are going to be quite a few downfield targets, like there were last year for him. Like after Jordan Howard's injury last year in Week Nine, Sanders averaged sixteen points a game. Like Boston Scott is should slice into some of his work, but I think there's more feature feature back appeal here than oh, a lot of others seem to believe. As far as Clyde Edwards, where I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of um. I don't have a lot of things to say about him. Look, Andy Reid told you that he was as good. He was as good as Brian Westbrook. That that's all I need. When has Andy Reid ever lied about a running back's talent? That's it. So I gotta say. I mean, take him with confidence. I would take him as high as number. 
I would say number seven. I'd take him as high as number seven. And, and I understand, like, my, Michael Thomas would be six for me. I understand if you take him over Michael Thomas, sixth overall. I wouldn't, but I get it. Um, Joe Mixon, I don't know really what to make of Joe Mixon because the talent level is obviously there. But the Bengals don't like to throw him the ball, which I find to be weird because uh, allegedly he has good hands, So, and he's very hard to tackle. So I, I don't know why they don't want to throw him the ball more, but look, uh, he, the talent, again, the talent is there. He, he put up 2,888 yards and 14, 2,888 total yards, excuse me, and 14 touchdowns in the last two seasons. And the la- second half of last season, like, he was great. Granted, context does matter the Bengals stunk and they just fed him the ball over and over and over I don't know why but they did um and he was running back four over the over the course of that season like if, if he could put it put it all together for a full season and maybe get a slight uptick in targets like his ceiling is limitless and that's kind of what I mean when I, when I talked about in the in, in, in the opening about you know this this tier being the tier of guys who are flawed like good but flawed and, and can make a leap if if something goes right for them. Like Mixon is the epitome of that. Um, Derrick Henry, I mean we we Derrick Henry, he's one of the rare running backs where the offense is basically built to give him twenty five touches a game. Like that's not how offenses are typically built in twenty twenty. Like they they're they're built to give him twenty twenty five touches a game. And look, if they, the Darrington Evans was drafted by them partially to be a pass catching back, and apparently he's having a tough camp. If that continues to be a thing, and they start to use Derrick Henry on passing downs, like to, you know whether it's pass blocking or getting targets, and he catches a 40, 40 to forty five passes, like the sky's the limit. And that's what I mean. Again, the, the, the just a tier full of guys who oh well if this insert thing here goes right they could be it's it's a common theme so the next tier we have tier four i have nick chubb kenny and drake austin eckler aaron jones josh jacobs james connor um nick chubb he's one of the most gifted runners in football i love watching him run um all of these guys have running back one upside in this tier and have clear red flags like nick chubb as i said extremely gifted runner He's probably not giving you anything in the passing game. The cream hunt is there for that. Um, with Stefanski there, I have no, I have no qualms about the kind of um, carry, the the kind of carries he's gonna get. Like he's gonna get a lot of carries. Hopefully, he's better inside the five than he was last year when he converted once, I believe, on ten attempts. I don't know how that one, I don't know how that works, but he did. So, yeah. Uh, if you're going to take Nick Chubb, I wouldn't really hesitate to take him, but just know he's not going to catch a whole lot of passes. Kenny and Drake, I don't know what to do with Kenny and Drake because, well, Arizona's running offense was second in DVOA. Okay. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury's still there. Kyler Murray's still there. Kyler Murray should take a step forward. The Arizona offense as a whole should take a step forward. And Drake caught nearly four passes a game in his games with the Cardinals. A, a, a part of me just can't shake the fact that no coach at any level has ever been willing to make him an undisputed feature guy. Like maybe that's irrational. I fully, fully say it. might be irrational. Fine, 
but you know it, it it's still there it's still a concern in, in my eyes because he's being drafted like he's a, a no doubt future back like he's being drafted in the first round in a lot of leagues and I, I need a little bit more security than that and he's already walking around he's already walking around with a walking boot that might not be a big deal but it's there it's a thing that exists uh, Austin Eckler like his targets are going to go down and his touchdowns are going to go down like he's not catching 92 passes and 8 touchdowns again Again, but I think the char- the Chargers paid him the Chargers have the same OC in town like he's going to be split out a lot and he's going to get high value high value targets and targets are more valuable than carries in, in, in PPR leagues in particular so I, I like Eckler I don't, I don't, I don't know if he has a top five ceiling like he did last year, but I like him. He's a massive regression risk though, so keep that in mind. Uh, Aaron Jones, look, Aaron Jones is good, and I don't mind drafting him at all uh, if the price is if the price makes sense. Like r- late round two, I don't mind drafting Aaron Jones. He's not scoring nineteen touchdowns, nineteen plus touchdowns again. If he does, I will print this out on a piece of paper, put some hot sauce on it, and eat it. Ain't no way in hell. Um, number four, number fourteen. I have Josh Jacobs. Um, he's basically a lesser Nick Chubb. Like they're great runners and questionable offenses who don't project to catch a lot of passes. If that's what you want to deal with. Oh, and also the Raiders' schedule is tough, and they they've signed every single pass catching running back that's ever existed. So they they are telling you what they feel about Josh Jacobs' pass catching abilities. Listen to them. Okay, so tier five, I have Todd Gurley, Mark Ingram, David Johnson, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Jonathan Taylor, Le'Veon Bell, David Montgomery, and Devin Singletary. Now, remember the the tier I mentioned in the opening that was kind of yuck. Basically, this is that tier. I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with anybody in this tier outside of Chris Carson. Maybe David Johnson if he falls late enough. Maybe. Maybe. Look, Todd Gurley is currently going pick 29 right now. I, I saw how he played last year, and I know what his body is, is at this point. Uh, that's going to be a no. Like, if we had normal training camp and, and all of that this year, like, Ingram might be a prime candidate to, to lose his job and get usurped by his backup, J.K. Dobbins. Like, because Dobbins is just a flat-out better runner, and he's, a, he's, he's an elite talent. Like, it... As is Ingram is going to get a lot of touches in, in as is like Ingram is going to get a lot of touches in Baltimore's offense and Baltimore projects to score a ton of points again. So, yeah, I, I, I Ingram seems like a locked and loaded running back too to me. David Johnson ran like he had a koala bear strapped to his back for all of last season. Well, not all of that, but a good portion of last season. Like if he's in any if he's in anywhere near good shape and has anything left. He's in a good situation because they're going to feed him the ball. Now, as I keep saying, as I keep trying to drive home, targets are more valuable than carries. If they use him like Carlos Hyde, he's going to be a disappointment because they just ran Carlos Hyde up the, up the middle over and over and over. And, you know, he was good at it. I'm not knocking Carlos Hyde, but they ran him up the middle over and over and over again. David Johnson is best suited um, catching passes, running routes, He's best suited doing that. Like running up the middle just isn't his thing. Like you, you, you get him outside the tackles, you might have something. You run in between the guard and and the center, like that's just it's not gonna work. 
It's not. Um, Chris Carson, I feel like, is a guy who... Um, he was appealing. He was more appealing before the Seahawks signed the aforementioned Carlos Hyde. His fumbling and his injury problems and, and potential and potential pass catching issues, I guess you want to call them, can make him a high risk, moderate reward investment. But I still think he has like running back thirteen ish kind of upside to him, and he's going at a, res- a relatively reasonable price at round three. Like I'm not thrilled to draft him, but you know. You know, it is what it is in that regard. Um, Leonard Fournette is not getting 100 targets again, and he probably scores more than three touchdowns. If both of those things seem like they're going to regress to the mean. Like, he he basically volumed his way to a top-12 finish because he was, he was inefficient as hell. The Jaguars don't want him on the team, and they signed Chris Thompson to handle pass-catching duties. Look, he's just not a guy I want to draft. I mean, if you want to draft him, you could put up with that. Go ahead. The Jaguars told me all I need to know about him when they tried to when they couldn't even give him away. Basically, they, they tried to give him away. Nope. Everybody was like, nope. Um, jo- Jonathan Taylor is another guy who can make a leap out of this tier if he gets the majority of the snaps. Uh, I'm talking about for next year. Make make a leap out of this tier if he gets the majority of 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 the snaps and Philip Rivers throws him the ball a few times. Like, immensely talented player. Immensely talented. And the Colts' offensive line is arguably the best the sport has to offer. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, look, man. We already have Adam Gates talking about, talking about Frank Gore. It looks like he did in in 1964 or whenever the fuck Frank, Frank Gore's rookie year was. Look, if you want to deal with that, go ahead. If you want to trust Adam Gates to give Le'Veon Bell a consistent heavy workload behind what should be a bad offensive line again, be my guest. I will not. And I would, I would, I would strongly advise that you don't either. If you like your your well being and don't want to be stressed out on Sundays when Le'Veon Bell gets ten snaps, because you know there's going to be a game where Le'Veon like fumbles early or they they go down fourteen nothing early and then Le'Veon Bell gets like twelve snaps. You know, you know it's coming. I I know it's coming. So I would suggest strongly that you stay you stay away from that. Um, David Montgomery, I could basically type the same thing for David Montgomery that I did for Bell. Now, we have to acknowledge the fact that he got injured yesterday. And it's a groin injury. We don't know how serious it is yet. But his week one probably is in jeopardy. No, not probably. His week one is definitely in jeopardy because the season is two weeks away. So, with that said, like the volume, volume is the only real appeal to Montgomery, especially given the kind of offense that he's in. It's Allen, Ro- it's Allen Robinson... Montgomery and not much else. The volume is the only appeal to Montgomery like that. The talent level is kind of like it's good. It ain't great, and he's not going to catch a lot of passes. So if you're taking him, you're taking him because you think he's going to get a whole bunch of a boatload of carries per game, which is not the worst bet. Um, Devin Singletary, who I feel like I have to move down. Um, he's a good player, like nice player, fun player, like. He's not going to do much on the goal line. And and he's not really going to do much in the passing game. And Buffalo drafted a, a running back with a third-round pick this year. I, I don't... I'm out on Devin Singletary. Okay, so the next tier... Uh, well, I'm out on Devin Singletary before we go to the next tier. I'm out on Devin, Devin Singletary if the price isn't right. Like, if he falls late enough, like, I'll take a shot. But I'm not excited to draft him. 
Um, tier 6, I have Kareem Hunt, Raheem Mostert, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, Tevin Coleman, James White, Tariq Cohen, Ronald Jones, Duke Johnson, Antonio Gibson. Kareem Hunt is one of the most gifted running backs in football. Like He's going to get plenty of touches in Stefanski's game. And if they're willing to trot him out there in the slot, there there's a lot of there's a lot of upside here, especially if in the unfortunate in the unfortunate event something happens to Nick Chubb, like he's a league winner type, Kareem Hunt that is, he's a league winner type. Um, the Niners gave Raheem Mostert a pay, uh, pay raise, which probably tells you how they feel about him, given that they could have just easily told him to kick rocks after his de- uh, trade demand. Look. It wasn't much of a pay raise, so it's not gonna it's not gonna change the world or anything like that. But they gave him a pay raise. I, I like they still have a few capable backs. Like Jarek McKinnon's probably gonna take up passing, a pass catching um pass down duties rather. And you have um, Tevin Coleman, who Kyle Shanahan really likes. Uh, it's just a situation where you take the cheapest guy, I feel like, and you just move on. And th- in that case, in this case, it's McKinnon. As far as the the pass the, the passing down duties, and you have Tevin Coleman, who's the cheapest running running um, down guy on the Niners, so I I will have shares of Coleman. I probably won't have many of Mostert. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, I basically see being Gus Edwards from last season, like seven hundred yards and five touchdowns. If Ingram gets hurt, like Dobbins has top ten potential, so I would I would. Keep that in mind, especially given how old Mark, uh, especially given how old Mark Ingram is. DeAndre Swift, like I like DeAndre Swift as a player. Like he reminds me of like a Walmart Alvin Kamara, like poor man's Alvin Kamara. Like I don't think he's gonna be as good a pro, but like a slightly worse version of that. Like I like him. I like the Lions' offense as a whole. Like I want to rank him higher, but you're asking me to rank a rookie higher in the middle of in the middle of you know a. a the, the COVID-infested 2020 training camp with Matt Patricia as the head coach. Uh, I'm just, I can't do it, sorry. Um, then, then I have Cam Akers. I don't know what to make of him. People who know more than me about this swear by his talent. I don't think Daryl Henderson, even though he's hurt at the moment, is going to disappear. Like, if Akers is the lead back in L.A., like, he blows, he probably blows past this ranking, but Henderson and Malcolm Brown are still there, and I believe they're basically all gonna split it's a mess it's a mess like i'm trying to avoid it like cam makers might be the long-term play if you're a, a dynasty guy or girl but i don't i don't i don't i don't do uh, i'm not really trying to deal with cam makers and malcolm brown and whoever whoever marshall falk if they choose to bring his ass out of retirement i'm not really trying to deal with all that shit so i'm gonna avoid it um, Tevin Coleman, as I said, I view him and Mostert in the same kind of in the same kind of role. Uh, whoever gets more carries is dependent on whatever I guess the game script says, whatever Kyle Shanahan's heart says. I'll take Coleman because he's three rounds cheaper, and you're and you're getting exposure to one of the best running games in football. I don't love each either player, but but you know I I do want exposure to the Niners scheme. James White, I don't know if he's going to catch as many... Well, let's rephrase that. He probably isn't going to catch as many passes as he did from Tom Brady. 
I don't think that that's going to be the case. Granted, the Patriots wide receiver core is still very shaky, so it's possible. And the way the Patriots running back depth chart looks, like he's going to get plenty of snaps, a lot of snaps. He's going to dominate snaps. So drafting James White as your RB3, to me, is a no-lose proposition. You're, 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 you're definitely going to get running back three production from him at the very bare minimum. And, he ha- and he's had RB1 seasons before. So who knows? Um, Tariq Cohen, you could probably say the same thing about him that you could say about White, except that Cohen is more explosive. And Cohen will probably never really get meaningful carries. Like, granted, his efficiency was otherworldly in 2018 and then crashed to, to, to earth in 2019, but he still averaged almost seven targets a game. Like, if he gets another 115 targets, like, and the efficiency just is somewhere between... 18's historic efficiency and 19's bad efficiency. He he's gonna return value on where he's going. Like I think people have gone too far in the other direction with Cohen because now he's going in, in round nine on average. I feel like he probably should be going a little sooner. So I I, w- I would gladly take Tariq Cohen and, and the James and James White as RB three types. Duke Johnson, uh, I give I give up with on the Duke Johnson feature back dream. I think that's over. The team see how effective he is when they, when they give him the ball and they just say, okay, you've got your eight carries for the game. Go home. So I don't understand it. If David Johnson gets hurt again, I mean, I would say that Duke Johnson has upside, but then they'll probably pick somebody up off the street who gets fifteen carries a game. So I don't know. Uh, Duke Johnson is he is what he is. He's he's a flex guy at best, in my opinion. Antonio Gibson was one of the hardest players to to rank in this entire piece. Like the hype has gotten way out of control. Like I've seen him going like round five, round six, and I'm just like, we don't know what his role is. Like we know Washington drafted him, and we know people like him. We don't know his role. Like th- there might be Austin Eckler kind of usage appeal, especially given how light the wide receiver core looks for the Redskins. I mean, excuse me, sorry for the Washington football team, but they they're they're generally a mess. So who knows? Like if he hits, he can make you rich. Like that's kind of it. That's just kind of the the long and the short of it with Antonio Gibson. Um, tier seven, I have Daryl Henderson. Uh, just the final tier from thirty six to fifty. I have Daryl Henderson, Marlon Mack, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Carryon Johnson, Adrian Peterson, Damian Harris, Zach Moss, Philip Lindsay, Matt Breida, Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, Keshawn Vaughn, and Latavius Murray. Look this. It's, it, there's a few running backs here who have big upside if their starters get hurt. And there are a few who are just kind of in limbo. Daryl Henderson, Carrion Johnson, Philip Lindsay. Look, uh, personally, of, of this tier, my favorites are Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, uh, Damian Harris, and Zach Moss. And, and Boston Scott. Look, Chase Edmonds to me is one of the better running back talents in the sport like he reminds me of like a faster Matt Forte which is a very very um, tantalizing prospect like he might have random running back two weeks like even with being Kenyon Drake's backup and then if Kenyon Drake gets hurt he's he's a locked and loaded running back one and whatever weeks for whatever weeks that um, Drake is hurt for um, Tony Pollard kind of falls in the same category as Chase Edmonds like if if Zeke just said, okay, I'm going to retire and pick up badminton for a living or whatever the fuck Zeke would be doing with his offseason, with his um, his life, 
and he was just to retire, Tony Pollard would be a top 24 pick. I'm pretty confident in saying that. Like, if he just went away, like, the Cowboys don't sign anybody to replace Zeke, he just goes away. Tony Pollard would be a top 24 pick in in fantasy drafts. He's he's a really nice player. Uh, Alexander Madison is arguably the most important handcuff because Dalvin Cook's injury history is lengthy. Good player, good situation. Monitor him, even if you don't have Cook. Monitor Alexander Madison and don't be afraid to reach a little bit. Um, Zach Moss, assuming that he's cheap, I like I like a little bit of of exposure to him. Like he apparently is getting rave reviews at a camp, and there um, the coach the coach said there are going to be times where Devin Singletary is is defeat is the um is the change of pace back, and he looks the he looks the part, especially if you care, compare him to how big Moss is. So there's that. Um, I want some exposure to Zach Moss, even if I'm not jumping up and down to draft him in every league I'm in. Boston Scott, as I said earlier, like really good pass catching chops. Um, he might be a little bit like Darren Sproles. Like, uh, maybe that's aiming high, but he he runs well between the tackles. Like he he contributed last year when when Sanders was. Um, excuse me. He contributed last year down the stretch. Good player. And and Philadelphia told you what they th- they thought of him when they didn't bother to sign anybody else. So, I, I like uh, I like Boston Scott a lot. If if Miles Sanders gets hurt, you know common common theme here. If if Miles Sanders gets hurt, you know Boston Scott could be a top fifteen or so back. So that 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 is my top fifty at the running back position. Look. I'm going to be drafting a lot of running backs in rounds one and two in particular this year. I'm not really trying to wait around and end up with the mid round running backs. That that that's just not that's that's just not the way I'm trying to party. Like I'm trying to do early and late for the most part. Like early and then the Chase Edmondses and the Alexander Madisons and the Tony Pollards and the James Whites and the Three Cones. Like I want early running backs and then I want those types. Like I'm not really trying to do the round three through six thing. Like, I can leave that area of the draft alone. Like round two, we have Sanders, Eckler, Chubb, and Jones. I don't have a problem with any of those guys in round two. Granted, if you're asking me to draft one of them over like Julio or Tyreek Hill, I think you're crazy. I'm not, personally, but I understand if you do. I get it if you're just that worried about running back at all. Which I mean, running back is a mess, so I understand. Um, round three, you have Connor, Carson, Bell, David Johnson, Ty Gurley, Leonard Fournette. As I said, I'm basically trying to avoid that tier. Like, James Connor is the only one that I'm interested in because he has legit feature back appeal. Like, he's he's injury prone a little bit, but he has, he has feature back appeal in a way that nobody else in that tier has. And not many people, period, has. Like, not many people have a, 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 um, a ceiling of opportunity as far as reps that James Conner does. Like, there aren't many backs that you can say, you know what, it's his, it's his backfield and he has no clear backup. We can say that for James Conner. And Mike Tomlin uses one back. That's that's who he is. He's a bell cow kind of guy. So I like James Conner. Like, I like Chris Carson to a lesser degree, but I'm not looking to overdraft him either. And then the rest I'm just flat out looking to avoid. Um, round four, it gets ugly. 
again, outside of Jonathan Taylor. But Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery, Mark Ingram, Devin Singletary, like, either ugly or boring. Mark Ingram is boring. The rest, like, uh, Dave, De- 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 Devin Singletary, I'm assuming Devin Singletary's ADP is going to fall um, with every glowing report about Zach Moss. David Montgomery, I want no parts of. Jonathan Taylor is nice. Give you that. Melvin Gordon, I want no parts of. I want zero parts of Melvin Gordon. Um, as far as you know, sleepers, breakouts, and busts at the position. Um, sleepers, I have. I have Boston Scott. I've talked about him enough in this podcast. Um, Tariq Cohen, as I said, if he gets the same one hundred ten or so targets. And his efficiency goes up, he's going to return value. And J.K. Dobbins, as I said, he's a top ten kind of guy if Mark Ingram gets hurt. So I I would watch I'd watch, I'd I would get my hands on J.K. Dobbins if I were you. Uh, breakouts. It was hard to pick one for this because, as I said, I don't like the middle rounds of running backs. But the first, I picked a guy that's going in the first two rounds and it feels cheap. But Miles Sanders to me is the breakout extremely talented dude like what what should be a really good offense and he has attractive opportunity in the passing game like yeah the pick the, the pick for breakout was kind of kind of cheap kind of kind of cowardice but you know i i feel like a monster season is incoming from miles sanders bust Le'Veon bell look it's august 27th as of this recording Le'Veon Bell is already complaining about touches, and it's late August. Like, Gay saying that Frank Gore looked like he did in his rookie year in 1964 or whatever the fuck, like, just drives the point home. Like, just avoid. Like, avoid. Avoid. Like, unless he's going to, like, round six where you don't have a choice but to take him, avoid him. Like, just take it from the miserable Jets fan. Avoid him. Just fade him. Do it for your own good to protect your mentals. Um, as far as rookies, I think I went through. I think I went through the rookies, but um, like from a dynasty perspective, I think J.K. Dobbins is the second best rookie running back. Well, third, excuse me. But I would not be surprised if he if he ended up with a more productive career than Jonathan Taylor simply based on on the fact that I know that J.K. Dobbins is going to contribute in the passing game, even if it's not a lot, because Lamar Jackson does take off a lot. He's going to contribute more, more than Jonathan Taylor in the passing game, and I don't think the, the talent difference is that big between the two of them. So, and um, the Cam Akers is, and the DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift is nice. Hopefully... They eventually give him the lion's share of the work. Very talented player. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his way into the top three of of this discussion among running backs in the long term. But it's it's a really good year for running backs as far as dynasty league goes. Dynasty leagues go. If you have a top five pick, you're in good shape. Excuse me. If you have a top five pick and you need a running back, you're in good shape. Well, that is it for episode seven, the fantasy football running back preview. Um, I wish you guys happy drafting. Besides the people who I am playing in leagues with, I wish you guys the worst. So, happy drafting, and I'll see you when I see you. So, I mean, you feel me? Start taking care of y'all mantles, y'all bodies, and y'all chicken. When y'all 
walk away, walk away and be able to do what you want to do. But I appreciate it. Thank y'all.